Welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And just a reminder to you guys, uh, next week the show is going to be a little bit late because we have our live show down Yay! at Epcot. Hooray! So it's going to be uh, a little bit late, probably a day or two. So just, take, you know, it'll be there. But just wait. It'll well, be awesome. It gives you a chance to watch all the old episodes again three or listen to them three or four thousand times. Yeah, do oh. that. That would help us a lot. Exactly. And a reminder to the lucky 75 people that are able to attend the live show, we will have sing-alongs for the show. So make sure you listen to the Communicore Weekly bumpers, theme songs, over and over and over again. We are going to put the words up on a big screen, but we're going to uh, have Steve and Andrew, the Communicore Weekly Orchestra, they're going to play the song once, and you're welcome to sing along, and then we're going to have a gigantic group sing-along of them. And we will have the words, though. We're going to do the theme song and uh, a few other ones, so we're excited. Yes, and uh, also, if you're even if you're not coming to the live show for the weekend, if you're going to be around Epcot for the 30th anniversary weekend at all, um, you can keep in touch with us. We have this cool little system set up where if you send a text message saying Communicore Weekly, all one word, to 732-587-5635, we'll send you updates all weekend long. That'll put you in a group list, and whenever we send a text message to the, to the group, It'll come out to you. You can find out where we are. We'll have yep. secret meetups. We might have prizes. It'll be a good time. So, again, Communicore Weekly, one word. It's Communicore Weekly, one word? It's all one. Yeah, yeah. It all has to be one word where you text it. And it's oh, oh. to 732-587-5635. Okay, let me do that right now. Oh, whoops. We'll, we'll anyway. be together, so you won't need to do that. Okay. Together for oh sorry, and uh, we'll 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 tweet live uh, not tweet but text live bathroom breaks right yes actually we will come on everybody bathroom break in the (sighs) Germany pavilion yay Yay. it's time for Disney history I don't know about you guys but I love Peach Dragon it's right behind the Three Caballeros Uh, it's probably my second favorite Disney film of all time. I know I own like, two VHS copies of it. Uh, the first one I wore out, but to put it in perspective, I had four copies of uh, Three Caballeros, so there, there's that. Is this a, wait a minute, you had seven? You, four copies of three. Is that four times three? Is that 12? There's too much math in this oh, sentence. Never mind. So I'm just gonna, Sorry. I'm just going to go on. No, I don't understand. A lot of people don't like this film for some reason, but it's a kid who has an imaginary friend who happens to be a dragon who also happens to be real. Now... I don't know about you, but I want that when I was a kid. I want that now. That's awesome. I can see you taking a dragon to Disney World with you. Absolutely. At the live show. Okay, I'm okay with that. Oh, anyways. All right, a little bit about Peach Dragon. 1977, Walt Disney Productions film. And it was one of the uh, a hybrid of live action and am- animation, like Roger Rabbit and Mary Poppins. You know, it's more like Mary Poppins because the whole film was live action, and Elliot the Dragon was completely animated. The film tells the story of a young orphan named Pete who runs away from his adoptive (laughs) and abusive hillbilly family. Aren't they all? 
Yeah, yeah, no kidding. The Gogans. I love that name. How can you not be? Well, I'm not going to say anything. We'll get in trouble. Pete comes across the town of Passamaquoddy, a small fishing community in northeastern Maine in the early, early 20th century. Wow. Pete is taken in by Nora, the daughter of the drunken old lighthouse keeper named Lampy. That was pretty clever of them, by the way. I love it. I love it. And uh, all together, they form a wonderful family, basically. They overcome the odds. They keep Pete away from the Gogans and save Elliot from Doc Terminus. And, you know, at its most basic levels, it's a pretty heartwarming tale about finding your place in the world, finding your family, and to some extent, redemption. Now, I didn't really understand those themes when I was a kid. Uh, but, but I got it when I was much older. But at the time, you know, it was an invisible dragon causing a ruckus. That yeah. is awesome. How yeah. can anyone hate that? So I'm sure there are some cold-hearted people out there. Probably, but those probably. people are probably not listening to the show, they're hopefully. The, they're the, the, it's the one person that always unlikes or, or doesn't like our video. That's probably what it is. Probably who it is. Well, okay, I'm anyways. sorry you, you hate fun, sir. Yes, or and invisible dragons. And invisible dragons. So, speaking of Invisible Dragons, Pete's Dragon started its life as an unpublished short story by uh, Seton Miller and S.S. Field. Now, the Disney Studios acquired the rights to the story in the 1950s, and they wanted to turn it into an episode of the Disneyland anthology program, Walt Disney Presents. Um, but instead, it, they thought it would be a little bit better to be a feature film, so they uh, started to flesh out the story a little bit. In its uh, very early development stages, the story was sort of conceived like a psychological drama. Pete was originally written as a boy who had trouble dealing with the really harsh reality that he lived in, so he creates and ventures into a fantasy world that Elliot inhabits. Elliot wasn't supposed to be seen at all throughout the film, existing only as a fantasy in Pete's mind. Now, when they brought some of the folks from the animation department in, the direction of the project changed a lot. They, they really did away with the serious tone and, and involved into the more family-friendly fantasy adventure that we know it as today. And on top of that, uh, many within the production weren't happy with the fact that for a movie called Pete's Dragon, they didn't really plan on showing Pete. So they really b brought Elliot into it a lot more. Um, and Malcolm um, Mormonstein was brought in to flesh out the screenplay. Yeah, you can't trust those animators. No. no I mean, no. well, I mean, this time they did good, so. Well, that's true, that's true, that's true. Well, so another big change came to the film when Joel Hirshhorn and Al Kasha, they won Oscars for their work on the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno. Go figure. They were hired to write a song for the film. They came up with the uh, candle on the water. Okay, I'll stop singing. You gotta, I gotta <laughs> Sorry, you get always the get the, the ones songs. with the I singing. I always do that. And that also won an Academy Award. The songwriting team convinced the studio heads that the film could be a major success if they allowed them to write some more songs to, you know, help grow the story. The studio agreed, and the two, along with Erwin Kostel, wrote the entire score. Some of the standout songs include, okay, I'm not going to sing, Candle on the Water, which did win an Oscar, Passamushladi, <laughs> love Be that name. Best song ever. Yes. Brazzle Dazzle Day and I Saw a Dragon, which wouldn't have been a good song unless you could see the dragon. Yeah. I guess. Well, anyway. So, anyway. the lighthouse in the film was actually built by Disney uh, above Morro Bay in California, which stood in for uh, Maine in the story. Uh, and the beacon on top of the lighthouse was so large that Disney had to get special permission from the Coast Guard in order to operate it so it wouldn't confuse the ships that were passing by. Which is I love that. pretty funny. <laughs> I love that. All of the uh, live-action scenes that featured the invisible Elliot were met with numerous production problems, of course. It was one thing to work with actors, but this was another thing entirely to make it believable that a living, 
breathing creature was in scenes when he actually wasn't there. You know, this sort of reminds me of this show. What are you talking about? Huh. Living, breathing creatures that aren't here. Us. Ah, never mind. <laughs> so, you know, they, I guess they didn't have the green screens back then. Nope. One, no, not all. One good example of it is the scene where an invisible Elliot walks through wet cement, leaving his footprints behind. The effect was pretty simple to achieve. A big set of footprints was created and then covered up with a board that could slide easily out of its frame. Fresh cement was poured over the board, and when an out-of-sight stagehand or standhand pulled it from its place, the cement would sink into the holes, and when it seemed like the footsteps appeared out of nowhere. We should have really announced spoilers ahead. Yeah. Okay. yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, sorry. Well, to try to save time, the crew poured the cement the night before the shoot, which of course hardened overnight and had to be rescheduled for another day. Genius Oops. move, crew members. Genius Oops. moves. So... Uh, one of Disney's fabled nine old men, Ken Anderson, he actually designed the initial look of Elliot, but Don Bluth was the animation director for the film itself. Now, the animated portions were under a really tight deadline, which was made even worse by the various production issues that there were. But Don and his team, they worked really hard to meet that deadline, and sometimes they were working late at night long after all the janitors left the studio. So, they had to animate Elliot over each frame of the live-action footage, which was a pretty laborious process, and they used uh, a technique called compositing a lot in the film, uh, where up to three scenes were composited together, which was the live-action foreground, the live-action background, and then the animated middle ground containing Elliot himself. Yeah, the animators did finish on time, fortunately, but the film premiered on its first night in a rough print format without stereo sound. It wasn't until a few days later that the film was 100% completed, effects and all. The film was sadly not as successful as the studio hoped when it premiered in 1977. Though it did make $36 million on a $10 million budget, it was not really well received by many critics. A lot of people, or many other critics, found the film to be lacking a solid story, and it appeared to be trying to replicate the success of Mary Poppins a little too much. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that this is not a perfect movie by any means, but if you're looking for a really fun family film and you haven't shown it to your kids yet, I really think they would enjoy it, and then they can run around singing Brazzle Dazzle Day forever. You're welcome. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. Building a company... Roy O. Disney and the Creation of an Entertainment Empire by Bob Thomas. This book was released in 1998 and has 359 pages, and I read them all. Um, I read Bob Thomas's biography of Walt Disney many years ago, and it's, it's still one of my favorites. In 98, Thomas published Building a Company, a look at the lesser-known half of the Disney empire. Roy's life started out simple enough, and even as a young teenager, he was taking care of Walt and helping him with his dreams. This would be a pretty consistent theme throughout his life. Even after Walt passed, Roy postponed his retirement to see that the Walt Disney World project would be completed. He worked tire tirelessly to get Walt's dream as close as possible. He felt he needed to take the mantle of creative and financial aid for the company that no one else would be able to follow through. This was a biography that was surprisingly a long time coming. Every uh, communicorn nerd Geek? Cadet? What do we do? I think we settle on cadet. I think that sounds... Communicore Communicore cadet? cadet? Yes, yes, that's the way we do it. Every Communicore cadet worth their salt understands how important uh, Roy was to Walt. Without Big Brother Roy, we wouldn't have the Disney companies we know it today. 
Walt has been quoted as saying that without Roy, he would probably be in jail for check bouncing. <laughs> Some pretty big check, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of checks. This biography brings Roy's life to the forefront and paints a picture of a man that truly loved and understood his brother. Walt was always seen as a creative genius, and Roy is the money man. After reading this biography, I can assure you that Roy was just as creative as Walt. Roy just used numbers, balance sheets, and common sense. Thomas is able to share a Roy that was extremely ethical and treated all of his business partnerships with respect. And you don't really see that much today. <clears throat> Little sidebar. Building a company is a very enjoyable read. Bob Thomas has written several other Disney-related titles, and he was a reporter for the Associated Press for more than 50 years. As with any biography, you need to take bits and pieces with a grain of salt. Sometimes it reflects poorly on the biographer, and sometimes with the prior research and researchers. I didn't run across anything glaring, but after doing some of my own research, I did see some inconsistencies across several biographies. It just serves to remind us that not every biography is conclusive, exhaustive, or authoritative. Bob Thomas does take us on a journey through Roy's life, allowing us to glimpse a, uh, allowing us a glimpse of a strong man who always did what was in the best interest of the company, even if it was at all if it was at odds with Walt. Nonetheless, it's still the most complete look at Roy Disney's life. And this is a book really that everyone should read. You can learn a lot about Roy Disney by reading everything about the company, or you can just read this book. Although I do recommend that you read everything. Of course, I have to say that. Uh, you will appreciate this biography more if you've read Thomas's Walt Disney, an American original, or Barriers, the Animated Man, a life of Walt Disney. Not that building a company is a companion piece, but Thomas spends more time focusing on Roy's contributions, and a larger familiarity with the Disney company will benefit the reader. This is a great read and should be read by every Disney enthusiast. And once again, the name of the book is Building a Company, the Roy O. Disney Story. Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. In honor of Epcot's 30th anniversary, which is coming up, and, you know, I wonder if anybody's actually coming to the live show. Well, we sold the tickets, didn't we? Yeah, so, I mean, if, even if they don't show up, it's okay. That's okay. Well, anyway, I thought we'd look at probably one of the lesser-known bathrooms in uh, World Showcase. This is at the area near the refreshment port. Right as you take that long stroll from Journey into Your Imagination with Two Seconds of Figment, or whatever that ride's called. Captain EO. After yeah. You, after you do after, Captain after EO. After you watch Captain EO. And then you walk down towards World Showcase. Uh, before you hit the, the uh, Canada Pavilion to see Martin Short, There's uh, the bathrooms on the right side, they're rather nondescript. They're kind of beigey, sort of, and they're right next to the refreshment port, so you can go to the bathroom, get something to drink, so then you have to go to the bathroom by the time you hit Canada, I and guess. They are so nondescript that I have never actually been inside these bathrooms before, but wow. I will be making a trip to them this time around, just because we're talking about it right now, and I feel like I need to go to the bathroom there. Well, I don't know, is, is that too TMI for people, maybe? It could be. Well, we'll I'm going to go look. I'm just going to look at it. How about that? They'll leave us a comment. There you go. Please leave us comments. Tell us if that was too much information or not. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. 
So when, they're, when they build new attractions, Disney Imagineers have a lot of things to consider, such as how well it f you know, the new attraction fits into its surroundings, even when viewed for another park. So when they were constructing the Tower of Terror for Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios, Imagineers knew that the guests would be able to see it from the World Showcase in Epcot, specifically in Morocco. So when it came time to design the backside of the tower, you know, the eighth wonder of the world, they, they made the color and the building accents, they were chosen so it could suggest that it was part of the distant landscape of Morocco to help fit with the theme. Well, thanks so much for watching, and for those of you listening to us in your car, you just missed your exit. Yeah, you're gonna have to turn around now. Yeah, sorry about that. We didn't mean to distract you. Anyway, well, if you're at home already, you know, leave a comment and uh, rate us on iTunes. Please do, because every little bit helps. We like to get our show out there to more people, please. Yes, lots of more people. Uh, you can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell us if Jeff gave us too much information or not. Yes, please do. And I will never please do it do. again. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. Tell me there also. That's okay. Yep. And, and, and hit the Facebook page for lots of updates and photos and to know what we're up to. Yeah, fun stuff during the weekend. Exactly, exactly. You can always follow us on Twitter. I am at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And you may have to spell it a couple times before you get it right. It's a hard it's, name, I know. It's a hard name, you know, it's okay. Well, I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly. Oops, I did it again. <laughs>